How far would you go to stand up for your beliefs? Would you kill for your beliefs? Would you die for your beliefs? Well, on this day, May 12, 1981, one man did that. Francis Hughes starved himself to death in the Mays prison during the 1981 Irish hunger strike. These Irish prisoners were objecting to the way they were treated by the British prison authorities, and they wanted political prison status to be granted to what I would call terrorists, but, you know, the expression, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. They wanted political prisoner status to be granted to the IRA prisoners. Not completely different to the debate over the enemy combatant status of prisoners within the United States facilities at Gitmo. Following in the footsteps of Indian independence leaders, most notably Gandhi, the Irish nationalists, organized hunger strikes in 1980, as well as the 1981 strikes that we're talking about. Bobby Sands was the leader of that 1981 hunger strike. And, you know, I, I have to know here, Gandhi was obviously a pacifist, and these IRA members were part of a violent terrorist organization. I'm not trying to equate those two. I'm trying to equate the idea of self-sacrifice for a belief, regardless of whether I agree with the belief system itself. So this narrative is not really an endorsement of the prisoner's violence in either prison or after or before, but a recognition of this important day in the history of Northern Ireland, specifically the Troubles. How can a person shut down hunger? It seems hardwired into our sense of self-preservation. Like people who drown still open their mouths and try to breathe, even though they know they're in water. How can you stop eating? In 1975, Article 6 of the World Medical Association's Declaration of Tokyo stated that doctors are not allowed to force feed hunger strikers. The doctors are supposed to understand the prisoner's independent wishes, and it's recommended to have a second opinion as to the capability of the prison to under prisoner to understand the implication of his or her decision and have informed consent. Having said that, however, and I'm thinking of Gitmo again, it is U.S. federal policy that when, quote, a medical necessity for immediate treatment of a life or health-threatening situation exists, the physician may order the treatment be administered without the consent of an inmate. Two totally different ways of approaching it. But regardless, apparently some things are worth dying for, or at least risking one's life for, to many of us. And respectfully, it seems to me that donning the uniform of our nation is relatively easy when compared to things like hunger strikes and self-immolation, just to name a few. After all, with the exception of the Vietnam era, there is this, and I, I think it's, it's almost a superficial ad admiration, but I do hope that it, it's more intrinsic that maybe I'm giving it credit for. But there's this um, ad admiration that goes out to those in uniform, right? Preferential boarding on Southwest Airlines. How come I don't get on there quickly? Preferential hiring at some police departments and some federal jobs. The GI Bill itself, right, with educational opportunities. The VA housing loans, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I'm not suggesting that soldiers don't deserve it at all. I'm just saying, and, and I'm not saying that soldiering is, is not hard work. What I'm saying is that it is not an incredibly difficult moral decision to wear one's country's uniform. Yes, it's a moral decision for the Amish and Mennonites and, and 
conscientious objectors. That's not where I'm going. I'm going with the fact that being asked to and volunteering to wear your own country's uniform is not the hardest decision in the world. It, during a time of conflict, it might be pretty darn scary. Um, fortunately, I don't know. But there's pride in representing one's country, right? But what if one doesn't recognize the legitimacy of the nation state that one resides in? I would imagine that'd be a much harder situation and a harder position to make that choice, whether to wear the uniform. And, and perhaps it would be an easier decision to raise weapons against that nation state than to join it. Again, back to Northern Ireland, Northern Irish um, nationalists believe that the partition was immoral and illegal. And therefore, they don't recognize the fact that the plurality of the plebiscite supports union with Britain. They consider the plebiscite to be kind of like a rump plebiscite because it, it's not taking in the whole island. Whatever you your feelings are, I just am fascinated with the, the fact that Northern Irish nationalists historically during the Troubles found it easier to raise weapons against the government um, than to wear the government's uniform. I'm glad that I never had to make a decision like that. I mean, here, here's another example. On this day, May 12, 1885, the four-day Battle of Batoche uh, ended with a decisive defeat of the rebels. These rebels were the Matisse people who had organized the Northwest Rebellion against the Canadian government. And here we thought everything was happy uh, on our northern border. The Matisse are a people of Canada who trace their descent to the first peoples as well as the very first early European settlers. They account for about 1.7 um, of the current population of Canada. And today they're recognized as one of the Aboriginal people under the Constitution Act of 1982. They, they are listed equally with the First Nations and Inuit peoples. But could you imagine like an ethnic group of, you know, mixed race, Native Americans and early American settlers raising up weapons and against the United States government. That's what the Matisse people did north of us on this day, May 12, 1885. Also on this day, May 12, 1998, the Trisaki shootings or the Trisakti tragedy took place at Tristaki University, Jakarta, Indonesia. A planned nonviolent protest against the Suharto government started at the university on the 12th of May. By 10 o'clock, over 6,000 students, instructors, and staff had assembled in the parking lots. They started the protest by lowering the Indonesian flag to half-mast. That's not that bad of a protest, is it? While the demonstration was primarily a protest over the declining economy and therefore university budgets and such like that, it's, it's important to know that the Indonesian government has a history of violent repression. The 1965 tragedy in which almost a half a million communists and other people were systematically murdered, later declared a genocide by an international tribunal, which also found the United States, the United Kingdom and Australia to be complicit in those murders. The Papua conflict between the Indonesian government and the indigenous populations of Western New Guinea has been going on since 1962. The East Timor genocide from 75 to 99. Indonesia has a history and a propensity 
of using military force, weapons supplied by the United States and our allies, against ethnic, religious, and ideological populations. So May 12th turned out to be no different. During the demonstration against President Suharto, the soldiers opened up fire on the unarmed protesters. Miraculously, only four students died. And again, forgive my pronunciation, Elan Mulia Lesmana, Henry Hurtanto, Hafidin Royan, and Henry Awan C. Where the four students killed, dozens and dozens and dozens more were injured. The, the shootings caused even more riots and protests to break out throughout the entire archipelago of, of Indonesia, and in fact, uh, led to Suharto's resignation. Sacrifice can have results. What about self-immolation? I mentioned that at the very top of the story. Remember Thich Quan Duke, that famous Vietnamese Mahayana Buddhist who burned himself to death on June 11, 1963? That picture is one of those, those where are you now or where were you then? Uh, that is a moment in time. He was protesting the persecution of Buddhists by the American-supported South Vietnamese government of Nguyen Diem. Those photographs of that immolation sorry, are as powerful today as they were then. JFK said in reference to the picture, no news picture in history has generated so much emotion around the world as that one. And even today we see Tibetan monks and even Tibetan civilians using self-immolation as a tactic to bring attention to the honification of Tibet and the repression of Tibetan culture, religion, and political self-determination. And even in the U.S., right? There have been hunger strikes in the United States, particularly, as I mentioned, that extrajudicial detention facility in Guantanamo Bay. Apparently, as early as 2002, and then on 05 to 08, and apparently there was another hunger strike in 2013, there have been hunger strikes by a lot of the detainees. Records show that more than 80 inmates at one point dropped below 100 pounds. The organizer of many of these strikes was Shakir Amir, who was later repatriated to his home in Saudi Arabia when the U.S. government admitted they didn't have any evidence for him to put him on trial. So at the very least, his hunger strike seems pretty authentic. Hunger strikes, self-immolation. How far would you go? I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. Would you die for your beliefs? I'd like to think I would, but it's a slippery slope, right? I can self-justify anything, especially inaction. Would you commit suicide as a means of political protest? The Buddhist monks have done it. The Irish prisoners did it. Today, on this day, May 12, 1981, Francis Hughes starved himself to death in the Mays prison. Those Northern Irish Catholic nationalists killed for their, albeit twisted means, uh, you know, in their mindset of what they justifying, as I just said, self-justification, what they, their violence that they perpetuated on the people of Northern Ireland. But it was their belief that the Irish had a right to be independent that put them into that mindset that they resorted to violence, ultimately getting sentenced to the Mays prison. They were passionate about what they believed, just like the Matisse people who organized the Northwest Rebellion against Canada. And although the rebellion was ultimately defeated on this day, May 12, 
1885, they stood up. They stood up. And May 12, 1998 was no different. Those four students, they didn't know they were going to die that day, but they stood up. They knew there was a possibility. They knew that there was the history of the, the Suharto government. They stood up and were gunned down. What would you die for? I know many of us would die for our family and friends, but Americans are blessed to live in a relatively safe country compared to the rest of the world. It's not perfect, but it's pretty darn good. What ideas would you die for? What principles would you sacrifice yourself for? Many of us would also probably defend our own demographic tribes pretty readily. We'd defend our government, as well as justice for our, our own ethnic, religious, and racial communities, probably not thinking about it in those terms, in those contexts. But we do seem to jump a little bit quicker when we see people in danger that look like us, don't we? I mentioned a couple of uh, segments ago how the United States House of Representatives voted 393 to zero to declare the murder of Christians in Iraq a genocide and they've done absolutely nothing about the Rohingya. Would that it would be just as easily for us to stand up for other ethnic, religious, national, and racial communities. I just said it. The Rohingya of Burma are dying. Today, civilians in Yemen are dying with American-made weapons. Little Made in the USA stickers on them, I, I'm sure being used by our allies, the Soviet, the Soviets, the Saudi forces. Our allies, the Saudis, are using American-made weapons to murder civilians in Yemen. And we can't find Yemen on a map. Today, the Syrian civil war continues into its, what, bazillionth year, 2011 to 2018, going on and on. Civilians from these three countries, Burma, Yemen, Syria, they don't look like us. Most of them are Muslim. They don't pray like many of us. They don't look like the people that live in my neighborhood. It's so easy to stand up for our own community and our own beliefs. Too bad we can't stand up for other communities and people who with differing political or religious beliefs as readily. Would that we could. And that's what happened this day in today.